Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show. You are in for such a treat. Today, I have Judy Hoberman, president of Selling in a Skirt, international speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. Her 30 years in sales have given her both the knowledge and sense of humor of how men and women sell, work and live differently with enlightening you in learning how both genders can support each other's successes in a more productive way. Her audiences from 10 to 10,000 are engaged with details wrapped in memorable stories that are easily implemented the same day. In 2016, she was a TEDx speaker talking about prejudging people, something we do without even thinking. She is the author of Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, Pure Wealth, and her latest book on women who lead will be released shortly. Judy's mission to help her clients live the skirt philosophy, standing out to keys, keys to success, inspiring others, results-oriented, and time management while having fun. So I can't wait to dive into this interview because I already know I have tons of questions for you, Judy. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm, it's like such a great opportunity. So thank you so, so much. Oh, I, I'm grateful for you being here because, you know, I was checking out your website. I'm thinking selling in a skirt and I'm thinking there's more to this lady than just this title. So you drew me in right away. But what <laughs> really struck a chord with me was your tagline. Women want to be treated equal, not identical. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, tell us about that. You know, if you think about it, all we really want to do is we want to have the same opportunities that men have. That's it. We don't want to be men because it's confusing to them. It's confusing to us. It's confusing to everyone. So if you just give us the opportunity to be, to have the same experiences that you have, but let us do it in our way, we don't want to become you. So we want to be equal, not identical. Absolutely. And, you know, when I first read that, I thought, how many times have I seen Women put on the boxy suit. Yep, the and tie. Just the presence and a tie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just yep. to, and you know, maybe even start smoking a cigar to just to fit in with the boys' club. Yeah, and it's also sometimes they pick up the language. And, you know, sometimes they think that Sunday nights they have to study all the uh, sports scores that come out so they can speak intelligently, but nobody wants that. They, I mean, unless you truly are a sports person, don't do it. You have to be authentic to yourself and to everybody else. So just give us an opportunity and let us show you how we do it. Yeah. It's so important to show up as yourself. You know, there's so many times I run into people or people I've even coached myself thinking, I need to be like this. I need to be like that. Or if I'm not doing this, I'm not going to fit in. Mm -hmm. but we're, we're all on our own journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you commonly hear from women when they hear that statement? We want to be treated equally, not identically. 
So they? they most of the time they're like, yeah, they're like, why hasn't anybody said that before? And then the conversation starts. And then I always get all the examples of what has happened because they weren't treated identically. I mean, they were treated, they weren't given the same opportunity. They weren't given equality as opposed to identical, identical. And it's always very interesting to hear that so much hasn't changed over the decades that everybody thinks, well, now it's 2017, everything is easy and breezy for women. It's not, we still struggle with the same things. So women are actually excited that there's someone there that really is rooting for them to get the same opportunity. And there's so many of us, if you think about that, just the people that we know together, you know, we all wanna help women and empower them and educate them. And there are men that wanna champion women, but just give us opportunities. So they're all excited about it. Well, even, when I was watching the movie Hidden Figures. Oh, my favorite. Love, love yes. it. Yes. What was really pronounced to me, and it just it just hits you like bang, is when he was so of same, um, I guess if you want to say same race. Uh, I just see people as people. But uh, when he, the colonel is asking her about working at NASA, she's trying to explain, you know, we don't, they don't just hire people with skirts. You know, they hire them because they got their glasses. But the, the discrimination with, within our own cultures, what, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, yellow, whatever, whatever it is, it, it's still within the, your own. And, and I find that so fascinating, yet we're standing up for you know, cultural rights and all of this, but in our own, could be religions, it could be just cultures, different cultures clashing, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. men and women, how we could be working so much more together. Well, I mean, it, go back to that movie when he started telling everybody that they had to start working at night. So everybody go call your wives. And here she is like, huh? Hello? And she's like the, the person who's going to put all this together. And he just completely ignored the fact that she was female and yeah. that she also had to tell somebody she wasn't going to be home. There were so many great parts of that. It, I mean, really, I could use it in all my talks because there's yeah. so, many, so many great examples. Just so many fascinating points. Yeah. And I, it still saddens me that that happened so many years ago and we're just hearing about it now. Right, right. And we're still going through some of the same things. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. So I want to touch on the skirt. Mm -hmm. So I know it's an acronym, philosophy for standing out, keys to success, inspiring others, results-oriented, and time management. Right. So what does it take to stand out in the marketplace these days? You have to actually sit yourself down and decide a couple of things. First of all, what makes you unique? Why does somebody want to do business and why should they do business with you? The second thing is, who do you want to play with? Who's in your sandbox? Because whoever that market is, you're going to be playing with them and you have to decide, is this who really, just because women are the buzzword, do I want to work with women? So you have to make that decision. And then you also have to decide what you're the expert at and own the title. So when I do training, you know, the first thing I ask is uh, if there's a room of realtors, I'll say, well, how many of you are competitors? And they all raise their hand. I'm like, no, you're not all competitors because you work with veterans and you work with women and you work with million dollar homes and you work with first, you know, first time buyers. So you're not all competitors. So what makes you stand out? Why should I say, Deborah, I'm going to work with you because you are this. And, you know, it's like anything else. You have to own it. Just, just be who you are. Be unique. Don't hide all those crazy 
things that you do because that's what makes you so special. And that's why people want to do business with you. But I will tell you that a lot of times women don't want to take a title of being the expert in first time buyers or the expert in whatever. And um, Fox Business News had dubbed me the gender expert. Well, let me just say, I kept that title. I like the title, I kept the title, and I don't care, I'm the expert. And so that's what you have to do, you have to own it. So standing out is really just making you different from the rest of the pack. Yeah, why do you think people are shying away from sharing what they're experts at? A lot of times it's because knowledge is not something that, especially women, we were never encouraged to show how smart we were. We were pretty and we were whatever, but we were not you know, pretty smart, we were just pretty. And so a lot of times you would say, well, don't, you know, don't show everybody how smart you are because they're not going to want to hang out with you. And that's something you learn when you're little and then it comes up again as you get older. Well, maybe I shouldn't be so smart. Maybe I shouldn't show people how intelligent I am. And really, honestly, intelligence is very sexy. It's very, you know, that's what people look for. I know for me, you know, when I was in my 20s, I might have looked for people that looked a certain way. But right now, I mean, it's people that are smart. I like to have my, my brain stimulated. So, yeah. And, and you don't even have to be, you know how people say you have to be good versus great. You don't have to think that you're like the top, top to claim yourself as an expert. No. You know, and that you're always, everybody's a work in progress. And I'm, I'm going to use being an athlete as a synonym because um, recently I've done a, you know, two-day bike ride um, as a fundraiser for a cause. And then I did a 10-kilometer run. And, you know, people are commenting and saying all this. And I'm like, that's great. You you can do it as well. And I have never been a star athlete. Never. All I know is I can get to the start line and I can get to the finish line. And to have people inspired by that alone Mm -hmm. makes – People, you know, know that anyone can start where they are and be that uniqueness, like you said, but you don't have to be the Olympic athlete or, you know, the top celebrity in the market for people to notice and do business with you. That's right. That's right. And you never know who you're actually inspiring by doing just what you did. I mean, I watched everything you did and I thought it was amazing and I thought it was awesome. (laughs) No, seriously. But if you think about it, think about all the people that won't do it. And you can go back to men and women again, because when you look at a position that somebody is going to, going to apply for, a man will apply if they're 60% qualified. A woman won't apply unless they're 100% qualified. They don't want to waste people's time. They don't want to be rejected. So think about you. What if you said, I know this is a great cause, but I'm not an elite athlete, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not yeah. 100%. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So you know, think of all the people that that wouldn't step up to the plate and did what you did. So yes, you're an expert. You don't have to say what kind of expert and you don't have to say what level and you don't have to say what's, that's right. That's all it is. That's my my expertise is mindset, getting, getting your butt to the start line. That's it. That's it. And you did. Yeah. Um, So what are the keys to success? So when you figure out like what, who your market is and, and what you're really good at, now you have to be able to explain that to people. So what is it that you have in your toolbox that helps you to, to let people know 
this is what I do the best, and this is how we do it. So for me, my keys to success was always asking questions. When I was in insurance for many, many years, they used to call me the question queen, because when I would walk in the room, they'd roll their eyes, they'd say, oh my God, she has another question. But the truth of the matter was, I would only ask questions because I was interested. That's it. And so the more questions I asked, the more you were talking and the more I got to know you and I was interested, not interesting. So my key was always that people thought that I was truly interested in them and I was. And that's, so that's what made me, that's what made my um, career propelled because that's exactly what I would do. People would trust me, people would like me and they'd want to do business with me. Simple. I think we're sisters in another life because I, sure. I, people roll their eyes when I start asking questions too. <laughs> yeah, because you know, they're like, really, you can't possibly have another question. Yeah. So I'm married to a retired colonel. And when I first met his daughters, they said to me, oh my God, why do you ask him so many questions? He's a retired colonel for God's sakes. And I said, because I'm interested. When I stop asking questions, I'm no longer interested. They've never asked again. Because that's the truth. Uh -huh. I, I am interested. I want to know everything. I do. I'm sorry. I, I need to know, you know. So when, when you probably have tons, but when you think of where you started to where you are today, would you have believed you are where you are now? No, not at all. Because I would never, ever have thought of doing what I'm doing. I wouldn't have. Because when I first started in my career, I was in uh, commercial roofing. I was in sales. I was working with the roofers. And who would have thought that all of the experiences that I had would lead me to insurance? I mean, who's excited about insurance? I was. I was thrilled in insurance. I was protecting people. And um, I would never have thought that doing that and building training for a company would lead me to resign and start my own company. If you just think of all the different pieces, and for me, a New Yorker coming to Texas, like, what? So there's a lot of pieces in there. You're like, oh, I'm in. I can't even believe it. Yeah. What was the common thread for you? I know that there's always a golden thread taking a lot of the scenarios that you've been through, the experiences that have brought you to how you got to today. You know, one of the things, well, there's a couple of threads, but one of the major threads was I was a single mom and my job was to protect my children. And so if I could protect my children, then I would be good. And if I could protect your children, if I could protect your family. So it was always like, let me help people and let me help them get to the point where they're okay and then even beyond okay. So it was, you know, coaching and mentoring and training and all of that. And that's really where it started. But when I was very little, I was always told girls don't do this and girls don't do that and girls don't do this. And look, look where I am now. I'm always working with that girls do do this and girls can do that. So, yeah, as I was thinking about that, because I was uh, watching one of your videos, I was thinking, because I grew up on a farm and they used to say, Deb, go in the house and help your mom. Deb, go do this. And there are times when I'm like, yeah, that wasn't my strength. And I don't ne think necessarily it was because I was a girl. I uh, one time had to back up a truck to a round bale and lift it up and I... <laughs> I think I tried like 10 times and that's when my dad's like, um, Deb, just, just leave that and maybe go inside. And forever since then, mechanical things are not, <laughs> not my expertise, but I think he was just trying to do that nicely. So there are times when it might not be your strength, right? Better to play in your strengths than keep backing up and doing something that is not for you. And you find, you, know, you do realize what is for you and what isn't for you. And most of the time you have to go with your gut and say, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. And, 
and your gut tells you when you where you should and shouldn't be. You know. So, Judy, have you been in a situation where you realize that this is not for me I, and I don't even know why I attempted to do this? Yeah, yeah. When I first, I, I first resigned from my company, I was living in Dallas. I knew nobody in Dallas other than the people I resigned from. So imagine trying to build a business like that. And I came up with the, number, the name of my company and I had some business cards and I went to this um, event and it was a very large company that was going to start doing training. And the gentleman approached me and said, would you consider doing training for us? And I said, wow, just starting a company. This is pretty awesome. This is great. It's my first job, you know, with my company. And he was offering me a lot of money and I was going to be on retainer and it was going to be for about a year. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. This is like, whoo, the sky's open. And you, yeah, but there was only one little, one little thing. You can't talk about selling in a skirt. You can't talk about your business at all. And it's really all about them. And I thought, you know what, this is good. I'll get some cash to, you know, my cushion, blah, blah, blah. As I drove home, my stomach started turning. My back started crawling. My neck was hurting. By the time I got home, I couldn't even stand up straight. That's how much my body was saying to me, what did you just do? And so I thought, okay, money or my passion. So I called and I said, I really appreciate the offer. And he said, we are so excited. We told everybody already. And I said, well, I need to decline. He said, what? And I said, it's just not right. I really want to build my company. And as I said it, I started to feel better. And I referred him to somebody else. And the guy is still working with him. And, you know, and, and I, was, I was done. And so that was my classic case of either do what you're supposed to be doing or have that conflict every single day. So with that being said, how important are core values oh when God. you're running a company? You, I, okay, first of all, core values are not right or wrong. You can't borrow somebody else's. This is you. This is who you are. And when you don't follow your core values and you compromise it, you get that same internal conflict. And when you're trying to either work with a company or bring somebody into your company and the core values don't match, there's going to be that clash. And if you have core values and you have goals and they don't match, you know, for instance, if I said to you, I'm going to do anything it takes to be the number one salesperson in the company. I don't care what it takes. And my core value is spending more time with my family. Something's out of alignment there. So your core values are extremely important and you can't compromise them because, I mean, it, 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 you can't. You can try, but it, it always comes back and says, no, that's not right. Yeah. And it's so important to start making decisions based on those core values like you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people, here's my test. It's called the mom test. If your mom walked into the room right now, would you be okay doing what you're doing? And I have always used that test and I, my children use that test. You know, I mean, sometimes I'm sure they don't want me walking in the room, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, yeah. so, and, and that's what it is. It's kind of like the mom test is are, are, where are your core values? Yeah. That's a good, good analogy. So why do many entrepreneurs seem to be off balance, burning the candle at both ends? A lot of it is from lack of focus. They're not sure what they're supposed to be doing. You said it before, shiny object syndrome. Like, we're all, this looks good. That looks good. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. And, and if you don't have some kind of um, source to come back to and try to make sure that you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. You can't work 24 seven. You have to put yourself on your calendar. I mean, we all do it. We've all been there, done that, that we've worked 18 hours a day for what? I mean, that's what you have to decide. And so I started putting myself on my calendar and I, you know, I turn my computer off or at least walk out of my office and, and I'm done. And, um, 
it's because I got more focused because I was definitely out of focus and everything was good. I was involved in, actually it was 27 different things that my hands were touching. And my husband said, are you kidding me? How do you, how can you possibly be effective? And one by one, I had to let go of what I didn't think was me or what I should be doing. Yeah. So how, what was the impact on your family and your business? Because you took time and put yourself on that calendar. It was better. When I was a single mom and I had two kids and I had to spend time with them and I was going to be working and doing all this other kind of stuff, that was not exactly what they signed up for. But because they were, you know, young enough, not old enough, but young enough to be part of my business. I mean, we used to do uh, uh, direct mailing pieces together. One would put the labels on and one would put them in an envelope and one would put a stamp on and things like that. And they were part. So I was present with them, even though we were doing things for my business. And so it was good. But when it was us time, when it was a game and there was, you know, soccer or field hockey, I was present, 100% present. I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't doing anything else. When I got married, um, we're married almost five years. Once he and I got married, we decided, you know, on the weekends, yeah, you can do a little bit here, a little bit there, but the weekends are ours. And you have to try to abide by each other's wishes. And I will say, you know, I've fallen off the wagon a couple of times and and so has he, but really, honestly, even if we're just sitting there having a conversation or having a breakfast or something, at least we are a hundred percent present. And that's, that's the best gift you can give someone. Yeah. And, and that brings up the topic of commitment versus being interested. We often hear that when people are going after something and they're like, well, I, I could do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You already sense that that commitment that it's not there. Right. Right. You have to decide what you really want to do. And I, and I think that there's so many things that are offered to us today that it's hard to make that decision. It really is hard to make that decision. One of the things that I do is I work with a strategic triangle. And a triangle has three sides. It only has three sides. It doesn't matter what kind of triangle. It has three sides. So I have three things that I'm allowed, quote, air quote, to do. And mine is speaking, coaching, and training. That's it. In the middle is my family. So when I'm speaking or coaching or training, I talk about the other pieces and my family. And I've always, and so that keeps me very focused and very committed. And if I want to add something else, I have to take one of those pieces off. So when I was doing my radio show a couple of years ago, my producer was listening to this. And the next day he called and said, I so hate you. I'm like, why? And he said, because now I'm using a strategic triangle and now I have to be focused. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that analogy. How long have you been using it? Uh, probably about four years. And when I do training and, you know, when I do any part of the skirt program, that triangle always comes out and I give out blank triangles and, you know, what three things are important to you, important enough that you're going to make a commitment to it and everything else you have to, you know, get rid of. Yeah. So that, when you think of that, do you still add in like writing articles and things? That's like all part of it. If you write an article, that's part of training. That's part right. of coaching. That's part of yeah. speaking. So yeah, that's all part of it. My radio show is part of all three. Right. Um, writing a book is part of all three, but it's when somebody says, Hey, do you want to go into a jewelry business with me? I'm like, okay, so how does that work? Yeah. You know, but I'd have to take off one of the other pieces and put that on. And I'm not, and I'm not at that point where I want to change it. Yeah, no, that makes great sense. What strategies are you using to manage your time? 
So I wish I could show it to you, but it's in the other room. I have a blotter size calendar and I've always used this. So anybody that's a tech person, you have to put your tech brain away because <laughs> for me, I mean, are you a visual person? Very much so. Okay. So if you wanted to look at something, you'd have to open up your phone or open up your computer. Here it is. It's right here. And I always use different colors for whoever's in your family. And I put down the things that you must do, you know, if, whether it's doing a meeting or a training or a trip or whatever. And then you put down the things that you want to do, like date night or whatever that could be. And then you look and see when you can't work and when you can work. And sometimes, you know, like if you're in sales, you can see if you're busy, you know, seven, seven eighths of the day, then you know that you cannot actually do any appointments. But the next day you only have one thing to do. Well, there's your, your road day. So that's when you're going to be on the road. But you also get to see um, when you can put in marketing and sales. Because as an entrepreneur, we don't do that the right way. So you put everything's on your calendar as if it's an appointment. That's been my best way for time management. And then the other part is wherever I am, I'm 100% present. I'm not anywhere else. And I think that's a big part of time management. And I think an important thing that you talk about is because it's on the calendar, it gets done. That's right. People, we have this long to-do list of all the things that we think we should need to do, need to do, need to do. But unless it's in the calendar, they often don't get done. That's right. I always tell people, pretend it's an appointment with your doctor or your lawyer. You're not going to miss it. So why would you miss marketing or sales or phone calls or whatever it is? Put it on your calendar. Exactly. Exactly. I want to, I'm really curious, who inspires you? Uh, I think, well, one of the things that inspires me is um, Facebook, which sounds pretty weird, but I always look to see what people are struggling with. And then I come up with, you know, a, a, either a a, a quote or a, an image or something like that. So they're inspiring me and I'm inspiring them. Um, people inspire me all the time because I can go and, and if, if I need inspiration, I just look around and I make up a story about them. You know, like I wonder why they're together in this airport and I wonder where they're going. And so I, you know, to it, being creative inspires me, but I also, I like to read. And so I read articles and I read books and, and I watch videos. So anything that I can, inspire my brain is really what I do. And music inspires me. So when you talk about having that, you know, how we prejudge people, you know, whether you're being walking through the airport or in your grocery lineup, that we do that prejudgment. I, I've learned from my own experience that I, I made such a fool of myself by doing that, you know, it was just shared with a colleague next to me. But there was this time when someone was walking around dressed very plasticky. Mm -hmm. It was done purposely because that ended up being the guest speaker. And I was like, whoa, because it was about making judgments. And here I was doing exactly that. Yep. And it really shifted my thinking from that point ever again. Um, because when I saw all the plastic, the first thing that came to me was fake. Mm -hmm. first word that came to my mind. So I already had a guard up versus being open. And let's see what this lady has to say. So once she said, well, you guys are all analyzing me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. You know? So then I was able to step back and say, okay, let me just be open and no judgment here. And I, I've personally, it's taken me time to develop that. It's been several years ago since that happened. But I'm curious as to how you approach that when, when you're doing your trainings and speaking. Well, 
because I've been prejudged my entire life, I'm very careful about prejudging people. And so I will, I will look around a room and I will find people that are almost like magnets for me that they want to talk to me. And I go right up to people and I don't ever say, Ooh, she's plastic or she's too old or she's too young. Mm -hmm. The other thing I found is that a lot of times we do that when we're trying to bring somebody onto our team, somebody shows up and you're like, Oh, she's too old. She probably doesn't know technology or she's too young, has no experience. And, and sometimes these people are amazing people. So I try my very hardest not to prejudge anyone. Unfortunately, the studies show that you don't even think about it. It's already, you've already prejudged before you were even thinking it. And yeah. so it's like a nanosecond. But I, I'm, I'm, I try to be very careful because I know what it feels like. And it's not a good feeling at all. No. So, but we do it. I mean. And it's so important to challenge those assumptions because that's how, often how we can get stuck in our own way of doing things. Yep. When yep. faced with a challenge, what do you do to push through? Um, first of all, I give myself permission to pout. I do. I do, whether it's, you know, boohooing or whether it's, you know, crawling up with a blanket or something like that, but it's only for a minute. So I do give myself permission to do that if it's a really bad thing that happened. But if it's just a normal challenge, like something at work, like I can't figure out how to get this proposal or how to get this speaking gig or whatever, and it's a challenge for me, I have to sit down and say, okay, so if it were me, what would they be looking for? If it was me, what would I want to read or what would I want in my hands? Or And I always try to tell people, it's not about you. Think about what they're looking for. How do you make their life easier? So I try to, I mean, I try to analyze everything up the yin-yang. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, we all have some challenges. But the one thing I will say is that I try to learn so much from every single challenge so that the next time it happens, it's not a challenge anymore. Now it's like, oh, yeah, so here's what happened last time. Here's what I did. This worked. This didn't. Mm -hmm. So I try, to, I try to pull things apart just to see how they work. What is one challenge you are facing right now that you've been breaking down? Okay, so I have a new book that's coming out. And... Um, the book is all about giving back. It's about women in leadership. And it really is. It's a great book. I have to say it is a great book. But attached to the book is a very large goal. And in order for me to meet the goal to be able to give back what I want to give back, I need to sell a million books. So people have one of two reactions. They go, oh my God, really? Or they go, well, okay, that's okay. You can do that. And so I have to take that million and I have to keep breaking it down into small pieces just so I know that I'm not selling a million books. I might sell a thousand here and 10,000 here mm -hmm. and whatever. But if I think of the million books, to me, it starts to get the hyperventilation going. <laughs> you know, I'm on that side that goes, oh my God, are you kidding? So that's, that's an awesome challenge to have. Yeah, yeah. And lots of people that want to help. To give yeah. back. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is one of your greatest lessons that you have learned in sales? Um, my greatest lesson in sales. I would say that my greatest lesson is to walk in as if you've made the sale. Don't walk in as if you need the sale. Because when you do, I, a lot of salespeople go in and if they don't make the sale, they can't make the, pay their mortgage or their rent or whatever. And I always say that it's like commission breath. People can smell it. And so they, they're not going to do business with you. So I always walked in as if I'm going to have a conversation with you. If, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's okay because I'm going to make sure that you have all the information you need. Mm -hmm. and, and 
that has always worked um, in my favor because I never sold anything that the person didn't need. I would rather walk out. People would say to me, you just lost commission. And I said, yeah, I know, but this is not right for you. And so that to me, um, I just wanted to make sure that everybody was treated with the same respect, whether or not they could buy or not buy, that's okay. But I always treat it as if. Yeah. And, and the key thing that I love about you, Judy, is, and, and you've mentioned it in other places where you've given up the sale, because mm-hmm. if it's not for you, I don't want to be selling you something that you really don't need. Right. Right. And it so doesn't, often, it doesn't matter. You know, the salesperson just, you know, That's right. makes you think of the car salesman. <laughs> you know and there's a lot of great car salesmen or women but then there's the one that's the stereotypical one that you know they just want the sale and they don't care whether that's what you need or what you want is just about the bottom dollar right and people don't listen to their potential clients they don't they'll ask a question they already know what answer they want to hear and they already had this 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 plan already program that this is what they're going to sell you no matter what, whether you need it, you don't, this is what I sell. This is where I make the most money, so on and so forth. And in reality, you can do so much more if you just listen and give them what they need and ask, get their why from them. Like I would never, when I sold insurance, I would never say, so do you need the policy? How much do you want to spend? And how much, you know, what's the face value? I'd never say that. I would say, tell me why it's important to have this policy in place. So now they're talking to me. They're still telling me they want it. They're still telling me how much they want to spend. They're still telling me the face value, but they're giving me the why, why this is so important to them. And in sales, if you have the why in their own words, there's nothing better than that. There isn't because you don't have to compete with anything. They just told you exactly what they wanted. So now you have to give it. What a powerful interview. I could be, we could spend hours talking, I'm sure. I would love for you to tell our listeners, our viewers here, how they can first tell us about your brand new book and then tell us how they can stay in touch with you. Okay. So I'm going to show you this and this is, you know, I just did a sneak peek. So this is actually the book cover. It's not even printed yet. This is it. This is all I have. Yeah. So that's the book. It's called walking on the glass floor. It's really designed for women who are in leadership and emerging leaders and as well as men that champion women. So it is due for a soft launch probably in the next um, four to six weeks, somewhere around there. Um, But to reach me and to find out everything that we're doing, my my website is www.sellinginaskirt.com. I'm all over social media at Selling in a Skirt or Judy Hoberman. I respond to everything and everybody personally, so no one else is doing it. I respond to emails, which is Judy at Selling in a Skirt. I just like to be connected with people. And if I could do that for a living and just connect people, it would be like so much fun because that's what I love to do. (laughs) Well, this has been great. And you've left us with so many nuggets. And I signed up for those, um, I think they're different articles that you have available. Yeah, the different reports. Yeah, different reports. So I'm really excited to dive into those a little bit later on today. Um, thank you so, so much for sharing everything that you have. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot because it's not part of my question list. Uh, what are the top three books that have impacted your life? Okay, so one would be The Go-Giver, without question. My favorite book, I would give that out to everybody because I just thought that it's the best book ever. Um, my favorite author, Dr. Seuss, would be Oh, The Places You Go because I think that is an amazing book. And then the other one would be, uh, I mean, there's so many, but the other one would be like Three Feet from Gold. 
you know, people just stop. They stop and, and they're, they're right there. They're just right there. And either they don't have somebody to support them or they just gave up on themselves. And that's why I always tell people, you have to invest in yourself, whether it's a coach or a mentor or someone that actually is going to listen and be your accountability buddy. So, yeah. Well, another question. <laughs> Uh-oh. How important is accountability in oh, business? My. Accountability is everything. You know, when I first started my business, I, I, I knew better than anybody. I did. I didn't need anything. I didn't need anybody. I didn't have to do goals. I didn't have to do a business plan because why do you need it? I know what I want. And then I hired a coach. <laughs> and uh, I also thought I knew better than she did. And so everything she told me to do, I just said, uh-huh, uh-huh, whatever. And so after a little while, she said to me, okay, here's, what, here's your assignment for next week. You probably won't do it, but here's your assignment. She said, I want you to drive into the busiest street of Dallas. And when you get there, I want you to roll down your window and I want you to take your, your wallet and throw all your money out the window, roll up the window and drive home. And I said, why would I do that? She said, that's exactly what you're doing with me. Wow. <laughs> And I went, oh, okay, let me think about that. And I realized if you don't have somebody to hold you accountable, what's the point? Yeah. And I think accountability is, it's, it's huge. And even if you have somebody in your company, somebody on your team, um, it's, always, it's not always good to have a spouse you know, or a partner that's your accountability buddy because sometimes you need somebody that's going to be a little bit more of tough love. And sometimes you don't want to do that to each other. But yeah. yeah. You find someone, find someone. And it's so ironic that you said that because there is a post today of uh, online synchro coach. She posted a picture and said that at first, if you don't succeed, do what your coach told you to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, when I finally listened, she was the one that made me write a book because I had no intention of doing that. Why would I do that? And I, you know, it was all, once I started listening to her, I thought, oh, okay, she makes really good sense. Yeah. Well, everyone, that's Judy Hoberman, president of Selling the Skirt. She has just left us with so many nuggets. And just before we go, I'm going to let you have one more piece of advice for all of our listeners and viewers, because I know there's so much more we, we could gather from you. I'm sure <laughs> we're going to have a what they call uh, encore uh, um, of having you back again. But I would love for you to just share one piece of advice for someone who might be struggling right now, not knowing if they can really, maybe they are three feet from gold and they're just about to give up or they want to get started and they just don't know how, what piece of advice would you give them? The one thing that I wish I would have had what would have been a female mentor that would have taken my hand and said, here's what you need to do. And so if nothing else, whether you can invest in yourself and and get a coach or whether there is a mentor for you or whatever and whoever you can find, ask someone to help you. It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And I am telling you, if you have one person that will give you that one little bit of advice or, or encourage you, or even a hug. Sometimes you need a really ridiculous hug because it's just not going your way. Get somebody, find somebody that can help you because your whole entire career will be different. You won't walk away from three feet from gold. You won't be, you know, putting yourself under your pillows and eating ice cream and watching Lifetime TV. You know, you won't be doing all of that because you're going to be so excited about everything that's going on, but just ask for help. It's not the hardest thing to do. It is all about asking questions. And uh, 
I want you, the, our viewers and our listeners, to replay this. Listen to it a couple times because you are going to pick up different nuggets every time you listen. And all about the Millionaire Woman Show is about living principles of leadership, business, and human potential to help you live your life rich from the inside out. I'd love for you to go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com and sign up for our newsletter list. Send me an email. Judy and I would love to hear how this podcast has impacted your life or message us on social media. Absolutely. Love to hear from you. Go over to iTunes. Give us a five-star high five. Write us a review. And as Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And my wish for you as always is go out and make today great.